I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story of Beauty and the Beast. And if you're not, then maybe you've been hiding under a rock for the last 20, 25 years. I'm not too sure. But I'll clue you in if you're not totally up to speed with it. Story about a beauty. It's a story about a beast. And they fall in love. And through it all, despite the physical deformity of the beast, and despite his uh, arrogant behavior, despite just all the things about him that would be considered unattractive, this beauty ends up finding something inside of him that is redeemable and is lovely and is worthy of giving her love to. Obviously not physically first, but you get the idea. Well, anyway, Beauty and the Beast ends with the beast being transformed back into his human self. And the message, aside from all the other themes that I just mentioned to you, is that true love is more than just skin. It's more than just physical attraction. It's this idea that there's someone deep inside of us that's worthy of love, that's worthy of being sought or pursued, and in the same sense, we have a almost duty in some way to go out and love another person in spite of what we may think of ourselves, which is what the beast does uh, in, in the way of how he earns the love of the beauty. Now, this is the sort of overarching message of the Beauty and the Beast, is that true love can be found despite sort of these physical complications and that there, there is something beautiful deep inside each and every one of us below the exterior of the beast. And even for the beauty's sake, the fact that she's able to look upon this person or this thing that would be deemed unlovable and find a way to love this person. That is what I'm going to be talking about in today's episode of The Writer's Lens, is this concept of exalting ideas, glorifying themes. What does it look like for story when we exalt or glorify certain ideas or ideals? Uh, and how do we go about that as storytellers in general? Because we may be doing it consciously, and in some ways we might be doing it unconsciously. That's something I'm going to dig into with this one. So this is episode 59 of The Writer's Lens. I'm Josh J.C. Felto, and this is all about the exaltation of ideas. All right, listener. Well, thank you for tuning back in here on The Writer's Lens. I know I've been a little bit out of it here for the last week and a half, two weeks or so. Uh, I won't get into that. I just need a little bit of a break. So thanks for sticking it out here and waiting patiently. Or maybe you were waiting on pins and needles for the next episode because you're like, come on, Josh, you got to finish up this three-part series. Get it out there already. I want to I wanna know what exalting themes and ideas look like. Uh, so just a quick recap. Uh, episode 57, talking about exploring ideas. And then episode 58, talking about exposing certain ideas. So keeping with the E theme, because uh, we love alliteration in the world of uh, literature, <laughs> um, this is going to be about exalting ideas, which otherwise can be known as glorifying them. Now, you might understand this as being something like the moral of the story is. So if you've ever read something or someone's told you a story or you've listen to something or you've watched a, uh, a movie or a film and there's kind of this end note, there's this end cap on the whole thing that is supposed to make you believe or think 
or understand that this is what everything was building up to. This is the concept that is everything else is just revolving around. That's what it is to exalt or glorify an idea in a story. Now, granted, every story has a lot of crossover in it between exploring, exposing, and even exalting an idea. So I just want to throw that out there before we begin here. You may have that happening at multiple junctures throughout different stories. Maybe you're exploring something here. Maybe you're uh, exposing another idea at this particular part, this act, this chapter, whatever it is. And then maybe your end cap is the exaltation of something else. Okay? That's fine. All right? I'm not trying to tell you how to write your story necessarily. But I just want to make mention of that, that just because we're talking about exalting ideas uh, in this episode, it doesn't mean that the whole of the story is doing that for the entire time. So there we go. All right. <clears throat> so let's take a look at a few examples through different mediums here. Uh, as far as the idea of glorifying, endorsing, exalting ideas may go. <clears throat> so here we go. Uh, in books. So let's just start with the most obvious, the one that I would probably want to start with. Uh, I always go back to Old Faithful on this one. Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien. I mean, just one of the classics, man. I mean, come on. Uh, Tolkien's story glorifies the idea that good ultimately triumphs over evil. Okay, That's one of the biggest messages that you get out of the Lord of the Rings, aside from a bunch of ragtag uh, group of guys can get together and somehow overcome evil uh, on a wayward track just between the nine of them, right? So if you've never seen Lord of the Rings or you've never read the books, I mean, there's there's nine travelers. They're all from different races of beings in, in Middle Earth, and they're all focused on the same goal. So this would be another idea embedded within the Lord of the Rings is that even though you might have a diverse group, even though you may have different races of people, backgrounds, ethnicities, whatever it is, if they are focused on the same mission, if they all share the same goal, then they can achieve a positive result because of the fact that they're all on the same page. Now, granted, one of them ends up betraying all of them and falls into darkness, and he ends up dying a very heroic death. <coughs> Boromir. But, uh, it was, spoiler alert, uh, regardless of that, they start out that way. Everybody's on the same page. We got to take the the ring. We got to throw it into the fiery chasm from whence it came, and save the land of Middle Earth from the darkness of Mordor. Okay, I mean it's it's one of the most classic tales of fantasy that there is. That is not just in recent memory, but of the last hundred years or so. So Lord of the Rings has one really big idea, which is that good will triumph over evil. Again, spoiler alert: if you didn't see the end of the films or read the books, good wins. Uh, but also on a much maybe smaller scale, micro scale from the very first one, which I, I don't want to jump too far ahead because this is going to be something I'm going to do in some later episodes, which I'll talk about at the end, is even though you may have peoples who have never met each other before and they're from different groups, different places, if they can get together and focus on a singular mission with a singular goal, then they can use each other's strengths despite their weaknesses to win the day. And I, I love this about The Lord of the Rings. I mean, some time ago, I don't know if if you recall or not, I did an episode that was a response to uh, this interview that I that I heard uh, on another podcast. 
that was making the rounds through a couple of other fantasy writer groups on online, where a gentleman had claimed that the Lord of the Rings was inherently racist, that it claimed that certain races were inferior to others and there were superior races throughout uh, Middle Earth that resembled that of maybe like white supremacy or something like that. And it was all a bunch of nonsense, especially in a day and age when the R word is thrown around so much that it's almost impossible to really ascertain, you know, is this person genuinely a racist? Are they trying to go out and halt the progression of another ethnic group? Are they, you know, shouting, you know, racial slurs on the internet? Are they actively involved in a group that's trying to, uh, to do these kinds of things? Uh, you know, you, you cry wolf so many times, you're not really sure if the wolf is there anymore until the wolf really does show up. And then everybody is like, oh my gosh, this is the real thing. Lord of the Rings is one of those stories where the races in the story, uh, which not to reiterate myself too much, uh, are clearly bad guys. Okay, they're they're bad. All right, they're they're perverse. They're evil. They're dark. Uh, they're trying to overthrow a society that well is crumbling, but it's filled with people that want to do good, and it's not just men and women, it's elves, it's dwarves, it's hobbits, it's eagles, if you wanted to include the giant flying animals in the story. So there's this concept of diversity, but it's diversity with strength because every single race has its advantages and every single race has its disadvantages. I mean, the hobbits are really small. They're not great warriors, but they can fit into small places and they can walk through places uh, that where larger people would be, de would be detected rather easily. So from a strategy standpoint, using your strengths, use, uh, you know, trying not to exploit your weaknesses, leaning on other people who have strengths. I mean, this is a major key element of the Lord of the Rings, learning how to work with those who are different than you. Now, in the case of the goblins and the orcs, the Urukai, the, the really bad guys in the story, look, they're, they're beyond the point of reasoning and war unfortunately, is what ends up happening, and, and that's all part of the epic tale of the Lord of the Rings. So so there I just named a couple off the cuff that resonate with this idea of something that's being glorified inside of Tolkien's classic tale, uh, good triumphing over evil, you know, strength in, uh, in the diversity of skill sets, okay? Uh, learning how to work as a team with others that, you know, you probably would never otherwise work with, uh, Again, these are things that are endorsed inside of the story. Now, what would it look like to not be endorsed inside of Tolkien's uh, Lord of the Rings? Uh, let's say that the Fellowship gets together. There's nine of them, and they're all from four or five different races. Everything goes to crap. They never end up becoming friends, and someone ends up taking the ring to the bad guy. Then that would be glorifying the idea that we can't work together, that even though we're from different backgrounds and from different, maybe even... Uh, religions or faiths, there's no way we could ever get along. There's just no way because clearly we would all have our self-interest in mind and we would never want to be on the same page to defeat the common evil, the common foe that we're up against. So if Tolkien went that direction and he told that kind of story, then I would say that he was glorifying that idea. But he doesn't. He glorifies the idea of unification uh, despite the differences of those that are fighting on the side of good. So, good thing to remember about that. So, if anyone ever tells you the Lord of the Rings is a racist story, it's no. <laughs> it's just, it's not. Okay, it's just not a racist story. Uh, 
Anyway, so there's a good book example, and we could also say it's a good film example too. I just because I just love talking about that story because one it's one of my favorites. Okay, uh, if I had to use an example through another medium, let's say video games, because I grew up on video games. I one, my first book was about video games. Uh, I don't know if you'll be able to buy it anymore. I hopefully got rid of all of them. I don't think they're available anymore. Uh, in any store. They might be still up on Amazon somewhere. I think I priced them at like $100 plus. So if you really wanted to buy one of my first books, uh, have at it. I could use the royalties <laughs> for, for a book that's that much money. But anyway, <coughs> uh, in video games, one of my favorite video games of all time is the Legend of Zelda series. I, I, definitely doing a fantasy theme here this evening. I, I don't know. Maybe I should do a different example, but we'll, we'll go with this one. So the Legend of Zelda is this story about uh, a character who looks like a fairy, but he's not. Uh, he's technically a Hylian. I know this sounds extremely nerdy to anyone who's listening to this. It was like, Josh, you're taking me down a rabbit hole that I didn't want to follow you. Well, too bad you're there already. Uh, the concept in this game is that it's, it's puzzle-solving, it's dungeon-solving uh, type stuff. Going on an adventure, very similar, I guess, to uh, you know the Lord of the Rings in some sense. But you're the character; you get to control the character. You're not just sitting as a passer, uh, passerby watching, or you know you've turned your brain off watching the movie, or you're reading the book and you're really entrenched in it. Uh, but this idea that m mustering courage to defeat evil in the face of something immensely bigger than you uh, is one of the themes of that particular game because the main character is always facing these gargantuan enemies. Now, this is also a hallmark of a lot of video games because you, the player, what you're up against, the size of it, the mere tangible size of it, even though it's virtual, what you're up against, the size comparison to you <clears throat> usually is a good indicator of how difficult your, your foe could be. So, uh, you know, here's a good example of it again. In Mario 64, way back in the day of the Nintendo 64, Mario, the Italian, uh, the little Italian plumber, the last level, the last boss that he faces in that game is a souped-up King Koopa, a.k.a. Bowser. I mean, he's massive. Okay, He's so big that you almost feel like you're fighting Godzilla or something. And you have to run around and kind of knock him onto, I think it's like, uh, uh, there's like bombs or something there. And you have to grab him by the tail and swing him around and throw him onto these things. And he's huge, okay? He's really big. And that's what makes it so meaningful for a player is that you're so small, he's so big. This theme of toppling the Goliath, toppling the giant, is something that runs through so many games, so many different video games and different video game arcs, is that very rarely will you ever encounter a boss character or a final enemy that is smaller than you are. They're usually the same size as you or bigger. And again, this is a very tangible concept that you're up against something bigger than you. How are you going to overcome it? So in the moment that you do overcome it, when you actually do overcome it, the, you know, the, the narrative that's endorsed here is that you were able to do it. You were able to come overcome all odds. The challenge was worth it, essentially. Uh, so that's that's another thing that you just see in so many video games, is uh, or are these bosses, these final uh, opponents that you go up against, these final adversaries are typically as big or bigger than you are. 
and it makes sense to do it that way again so that the you know the the juice is worth the squeeze uh for lack of for lack of a better a better analogy so so that's video games so i've done books i've done film to some extent I've done video games what else is there okay what else is there books film video games well national media of course the news stations uh one of the banes of my existence the mainstream news uh my own axe to grind when it comes to uh, all of mainstream news. Uh, if I'm giving something away, <laughs> I'm giving something away to you, listener, in terms of how I feel sometimes about the national news media. Many different stories get glorified or get exalted over the course of a 24-hour news cycle, and many continue to be pushed throughout the course of the week and the months and the year that goes on. Uh, national media does this. Okay, it, it has different narratives that it latches onto depending upon what has happened. All right, so it, it's not all just, you know, we're just going to push this opinion constantly, constantly, constantly. That does happen a lot. But there's also something happens, now we have to report on it. Here's the editorials, here's the opinion pieces. And depending upon the kind of traffic it's getting, different stations will focus on different things. But there are some things that they will endorse or exalt through their reporting. You know, uh, I think I've said this in other episodes. I've said things like, very rarely would you ever hear a news story go like this. Uh, data dump at nine, right? Like you're not going to hear, uh, you know, information to be shared at eight o'clock. See you then for the extremely monotone and mundane information. <laughs> it's always going to be in a story format, okay? They're, they're going to build you up. They're going to show you some eyewitnesses. They're going to start off with how the incident occurred and then they're going to you know give you the climax of the story and then they're going to give you their concluding thoughts and and uh you know all that kind of good stuff so those are the things that our news anchors our journalists are doing out there in the field uh and again i i don't mean to speak horribly of journalists there i know that they're individuals trying to do their jobs i just tend to have an axe to grind with them sometimes <laughs> so uh uh but but that aside they have their own stories that they're working on and that they're exalting and they're, they're they're putting out into the spaces for people to to hear and listen to. Along with that, as far as the national media is concerned, going on to cable and dish and satellite, different shows exalt different things. One of the things that my wife and I enjoy is uh, a really romping good episode of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette for comedic purposes because that show is insane. <laughs> Just... The idea of putting one person out there to choose between 30 potential suitors, whether they're a guy or a girl, and then putting them on all these lavish dates and then expecting things to not become dramatic. Well, of course they want things to be dramatic. Let's be honest, it's TV and it's entertainment. But to think that maybe true love will come out of this you know, fairy tale or storybook idea, sure, maybe it could. But I don't think after 20-some seasons it has yet. I could be wrong. But uh, just the way that it's done, the, the, the overarching theme of these shows to me is that falling in love is big and loud and it's over the top and it's very sensual and it's many of the things that r real love end up not being in the long run, okay? It just, it, it never ends up being that. But to many people, it's interesting. It, it pings their interest like, oh, well, maybe, the, maybe the fantasy could be a reality, right? Maybe the fantasy could come true 
for this couple or for this person or, or whatever or what have you. And I think that's what draws a lot of people into it, aside from just the drama in general and perhaps just all the good-looking people that show up on the on the show. But uh, like I said, my wife and I sometimes find it to be a, a funny, funny show uh, for comedic purposes, and, and we get roped into it every now and again and then have to turn it off after 10 minutes just for our own sanity. But, but anyway... So there's that. But then there's other shows like, you know, America's Got Talent and The Voice and American Idol that was on forever. America has no shortage of promoting this idea that if you have a talent, if you can sing, if you can dance, uh, so you think you can dance, America's next top singer or dancer. There's so many shows about entertainment in America that it really does push this idea that, you know, there's an inter- there is an entertainer in all of us, that you have a talent that can be put on display and you should make money for it. And people should recognize you for it, uh, which again, nothing totally wrong with that. It's you know allowing people to pursue their their creativity and and giftings and things like that. But just another example of exalting an idea. You know these shows exalting the idea that you can have talent and you can sing and you can you should try out and all this kind of stuff. So those are some things in, in the national media. Just quick examples. I'm not going to run through every single one of them, but just some of the <laughs> some of the ones that have that have caught my eye or my wife and I's eyes, uh, just as of recently that I wanted to, to make mention of in this episode. So books, film, video games, national media, news stations, everybody has some kind of idea uh, or narrative or concept that is being glorified or endorsed or exalted in some regard when we're telling a story and we want people to be invested and interested in that story. We have to acknowledge that we are pushing something. And I don't mean to say that as though it's a negative thing, because many times stories that are pushed, agendas that are pushed, many times those movements are organic, and it's something that the culture needs, that we need to be encouraged, we need to be inspired, we need to know that there are good virtues out there that are being promoted in our books and in our television and in, uh, you know even in the games we play. And of course, on the other side of that, on the other flip side of the coin, there are not so good narratives. There are not so good values that are pushed that can be perverse and trying to teach us that this is the only way to be happy and really it's not. And we only find out years later when we're full of you know bitterness and remorse and all that kind of stuff or regret. Uh, it tends to be a bit of a double-edged sword. You know, It tends to be of a double-edged sword there in terms of what ideas are being pushed, and who we're allowing to push their ideas upon us as well. And that's how I want to bring this one in for a landing, is that we don't always consciously think about these things when we're maybe reading a book, watching a movie, especially when we turn on the television and we watch the first thing that catches our eye. We're not completely aware, at least I, you know, I would say generally speaking, a lot of people just kind of turn their brains off. Or they pick up a book because somebody told them to, or they think it's entertaining or it's interesting, and they don't necessarily think, well, what is this teaching me? You know, what is this telling me? What is this endorsing in my life that I should be interested in? And that's really my challenge to you, listener. Uh, You know, obviously not just to take my word for it, but to be more consciously aware of these things. Like, what are the things that are feeding us with narratives and with certain ideas? Like, what's being glorified? in a story. Uh, You know, I wrote an opinion piece a few months back about Game of Thrones, uh, how it relates to Christianity. 
and got some pretty good feedback on it initially when I put it out there because I wanted to really dig into this idea that that art is art, okay, and it, it's separate from an artist. It can stand on its own. It, you know, it's, the artist is not necessarily uh, completely enveloped by their art. They're not completely defined by their art, even though they do produce it. There are values that an artist can talk about that they themselves may not always be pursuing or you know believe in necessarily, but maybe they're doing it to make a quick buck or something. Uh, but I really wanted to to talk about what do we what do we look for as to be glorified in our own lives? And we go to art to escape into those places, but we also go to art to be taught in some sense. We also go to stories to be taught. And uh, as much as we want to be entertained, uh, we are also educated at the same time. So that's really my, my challenge to you, listener, to be more consciously aware of those things. Uh, you may already be aware of those things, and you're just kind of shaking your head this whole time and saying, Josh, you know, I, I totally get it, man. I've, I've been doing that for a long time, and, and you know, you're preaching to the choir or, or whatnot. But, but I think it's, it's a good reminder. It's a good reminder because there are certain hooks that can get into us where it can begin to kind of make us stray maybe from, from our own beliefs or values, uh, you know, pull us in one direction or the other that, that maybe we don't really want to go down. And we know could be a problem for us down the road, but that again is up is up to you, listener, to to ascertain and discern what that is. So, so that's my my end my end note. My idea that I'm uh, exalting for this is to be consciously aware of what is being glorified and what stories you're listening to uh, as you go about your your, uh, your daily grind out there. So, so thanks for sticking with me on this three parter on the alliteration of exploring, exposing, and exalting ideas. Uh, starting in a week or two, I'm going to be kicks, uh, kicking off a brand new series with episode 60, where I'm going to be doing an analysis of film and television and books and talking about some themes that are found therein. I'm, I'm really excited about this because I really think that this is kind of the core of what makes the writer's lens what it is, where I look at the power of storytelling and I look at the power and the impact of many different books and, and films that have really had an impact on me personally. And I, I just want to share some of that with you guys and see what you think about it. So I'll be asking for some feedback, uh, specifically different you know books or games or, or films that you'd like me to cover. But I think you're going to enjoy this. I think you're really going to enjoy this series. And I'll be starting that the next time we get together on episode 60. I will still be doing the Narrative Wars as well as kind of like a side, and I will be doing the interviews again here soon. I've also taken a little bit of break from that. Things have been a little bit crazy here at home personally for me, but no worries, uh, we're, we're back at it. So thanks for sticking it out with me. Uh, and again, uh, you know, like, share, subscribe, let someone know about this podcast if you enjoy it. I'm Josh J.C. Alfelto. I'll talk with you guys again soon.